From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Robert, thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives is the name of the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next half hour or so. Glad you could do it. Lots to get through uh, before I get too headlong into stuff here. Uh, R.I.P. to the late, great Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, died at the age of 70 yesterday. Just uh, And by yesterday, I mean like Tuesday. Uh, recording this late Wednesday, early Thursday. Yeah, apparently he had been battling cancer for a while and had kept that secret. I think the uh, last six years or so, just uh, kept mom on it, kept doing his thing. Dead at the age of 70, and of course, the iconic Pee Wee Herman. That's what he's best known for. The other thing might be, well, an ill-advised trip to a certain type of movie theater. Um, but there's there's no denying the impact that uh, that character has had on pop culture. I mean, uh, the, uh, the barroom dance and the big uh, platform shoes to tequila, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Of course... Uh, uh, the Alamo, famous landmark in San Antonio, uh, tweeted out, uh, Facebooked out, uh, did all sorts of social media out about uh, how the basement in the Alamo gag became synonymous with the landmark because there would be people going in asking where the basement was. And I'm sure that annoyed the hell out of some tour guides after a while. But that's that's a testament to a really good running gag. Um, you know, he, he'd been in comedy for a bit. Um, he was part of the Groundlings, I recall, with Elvira and uh, Phil Hartman. Of course, Phil Hartman would go on to play Captain Carl on that show. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne was on there as Cowboy Curtis. Remember that? Uh, but uh, Sean, a guy that I went to school with uh, back at Ball State, he uh, posted this picture, um, I guess, at Cal University of California, Berkeley. Uh he uh, hung out with the likes of Katie Seagal, married with children, Elvira, and a young David Hasselhoff. They were uh, posing for a picture. Uh, and, of course, they would all go on to do their own things. But uh, no denying the talent of Paul Rubens, and uh, he will be missed. I uh, actually had a uh, family death uh, Tuesday as well. Um, uh, I, I talked to my dad about it tonight because I just found about it, out about it today. Uh, but my great-uncle Don passed away at the age of 81. And he, too, had been battling cancer. was in remission, but I guess it came back in full force. And unfortunately, he passed on. I, I, he kept it to himself. Like, I don't even think family members knew about it. But I was kind of taken back, like, 81 years old. Because I keep thinking that he was a lot older than that. Because my dad's dad, my grandfather, is 96. Still alive and kicking. Uh, but apparently there's like a 15-year a age difference between him and his brother. And I, I never really realized it growing up because when you're a kid, everybody seems old. But my dad said, yeah, everybody remembers Uncle Don and my um, great-uncle Jim, who also has passed on uh, a while back, actually, as being old dudes. But my dad said that uh, when they were growing up, you know, him and his Uncle Chuck remember them as teenagers. They remember them in their 20s. <laughs> Uh, it's just kind of a weird thing to think of. I, I just I just never made that connection until now. But, um, you know, I asked my dad how he was doing, and 
He says he's doing okay. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that's uh, something that we had to contend with today. Uh, but otherwise, a good day for both my wife and my oldest daughter, Lana. They share a birthday. Lana turned the big 06. Uh, my wife, 29, as usual. And uh, my, I, I got my wife a really expensive, well, I wouldn't say expensive. It, it, it's a pretty, I guess I'll say pricey, moon mirror. She says she's going to hang it up in our, in her bedroom, which is pretty cool. And Lana, you know, she made out like a bandit with toys and cake. And I pretty much had cake for dinner tonight, so I can't complain. Okay. Now, I am a nerd. I am a geek when it comes to pop culture. Um, but on the tech side of things, I don't know Dick. I really don't. Um, and we have um, kind of a, a tech problem with one of our computers here in the house. And yesterday, I called to see about uh, setting up an appointment to get it fixed. And they're like, well, you know what we could do is walk you through the uh, um, the the system itself on the phone. So it would save our tech guy trouble, a trip out to your house. Okay, cool. Uh, and I gave them both my number and my wife's number. And I told them my wife would be available after 2. And I'm usually available up until 10. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll we can call you tomorrow, that being Wednesday. 9A10A. Okay, great. And keep in mind, I told them what my wife's number was and then my number. I didn't have a single call between 9A and 10A today. You know, and uh, yeah, I was able to get other things done around the house and get ready for work, but you know, I kept looking at my phone, nothing, nothing, nothing. I guess they forgot. No, they didn't forget. They called my wife. They called my wife's number. She's at work at 9 53 a.m. Now, let me ask you something. When you say, and I know you're going to bring up things like, okay, well, the cable guy never comes exactly when he's supposed to. But if you're if you're going to have an IT person call you up between 9 and 10, and you know that the person on the other end, regardless if it was me or say if my wife was at home at the time and they actually called the right number, what what makes you think somebody who is less knowledgeable about the system than you has seven minutes to spare? Especially when I told them, yeah, I usually am out of the house by 10.30, 10, 10 a, 10.30, somewhere in between that. Uh, uh, yeah, they, that, that's what happened. And so I'm kind of fed up and I, I'm pretty much going to have to wait until next week to get this done. But it just... They, they called my wife at work, and my wife was pissed about it. Uh, yeah, that's that's some of the stuff. Maybe maybe what I need to do is become friends with Elon Musk. Maybe he can help me out. Now, okay, so uh, the, the, the X. And again, I, I've said this before. I'm not a big fan of the rebranding of Twitter because you know what a Twitter is. You know what a tweet is. The brand speaks for itself, and I think uh, under Elon's guidance... Well, I wouldn't say it's uh, Eden or, you know, Utopia, uh, but but it's a lot better than it was under the Wokarati. I'm not a big fan of the rebranding, but he's wanting to call it X, and he puts up the sign in uh, San Francisco, X. And it's quickly halted by uh, the government there because the San Francisco government is so efficient, and it was just coincidental that this big billionaire who's a lightning rod for uh, criticism get shut down by a very political one-party town, right? Uh, Kings of A&R, it's a, uh, 
uh, Facebook page that I post on frequently, and I made the comment, so San Francisco is quicker to get rid of Elon Musk's ex than they are the homeless. Classic San Francisco. And, uh, of course, some people liked the comment and others didn't because, what do you mean get rid of? Are you a Nazi? And, of course, that's when that talk gets up again. And I clarified with a couple of people uh, before I just said, you know what, I'm turning off the notifications to this thing. Look, no, you enforce the laws you have on the books. You have laws against loitering. You have laws against public indecency. You have laws against public defecation and public drug use and shoplifting and public drunkenness. If you were to enforce those... A lot of that would go away. A lot of the encampments would go away in a lot of these cities, but they have to show that they're compassionate. And, of course, the name uh, calling kept going on and on, which proves that it's not about being compassionate. It's just, it's about being apathetic and getting away with it. Oh, you don't understand these people. You've never been poor. Even though I grew up in a household that had to have two parents working, uh, my dad at one point was only eating one meal a day just to pay off the massive debt we had. I was wearing hand-me-downs from an uncle who was four years older than me. That's right, I'm the oldest of four, and I had to wear somebody else's clothes from another household. Um, you know, I we probably didn't go to a first-run movie theater for well over five years when we were battling debt. So I know a little bit about the poverty thing. Uh, there's a difference between somebody who's working to get out of poverty and somebody who is crapping on a sidewalk. But a lot of people don't want to see that. And so I kind of got um, the ire of a lot of people. But it's very telling. It's very telling. And they were gl more glad to see a rich man's ex go down than they are uh, anybody criticizing how dirty that city has become or a lot of cities have become. By the way, uh, Elon got in trouble uh, well, I guess kind of troll. And he tweeted this because he loves attention. Uh, he wore an I Love Canada shirt. Right? And, and there's nothing really wrong with loving Canada. Right? Uh, except the fact that uh, he, the way he had it positioned, it said, I love... And only the A and A is showing. And part of the D is obscured. You can imagine what word he made that look like. And uh, a lot of people without a sense of humor lost their ever-loving minds. By the way, uh, any Canadian that's uh, upset about that, keep in mind, uh, Justin Trudeau has worn worse than I love. And you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh uh, four I forget here. Um... Uh, <laughs> Threads has lost half of its users, and uh, Mr. Zuckerberg is telling everybody, hey, no, it's okay, it's cool, it's all going to quartering plan, it's just a whole growth thing. Really? Because a couple weeks ago when this thing launched, the media was talking about how dead Twitter acts, whatever the hell Elon's calling it, is, and that Threads had all these hundreds of millions of users using it, and now the engagement has dropped off like a rock. It's like... Google Plus version 2.0 here. It's Friendster version 2.0. Threads is dead. Um, and, you know, Facebook does well. I, I, I got no, well, I can't say I don't have any problems with Facebook, but Facebook 
it's the devil you know, much like Twitter X is the devil you know. They're two different types of social media, and everybody's got an account for both. I, I don't know why Zuck is messing around with it other than uh, hubris. He thought the metaverse would be something. It still isn't anything. It's just kind of sitting there taking up space. Hey, speaking of taking up space, Lizzo. Uh, you know, she's a big gal and a big pop star. She's done all right for herself. And she has finger-wagged anybody who's made any any reference to her weight a lot of her fans do the same thing. They get pissed off when you bring that up because it's a healthy lifestyle or something. I mean, look, I'm not GQ, and I don't expect women to be Cosmo-looking. But you can't go from the the Kate Moss cocaine-in-air diet to Lizzo and say either one of those extremes is healthy. I'm getting sidetracked for sure, but trust me, I'm leading up to something here. Lizzo's gotten away with it because uh, she's the pop star du jour, you know, behind Taylor Swift, behind Beyonce, behind Dua Lipa, anybody else that I'm forgetting. Well, uh, she's in trouble now. Um, a couple of allegations. For one, a filmmaker that was going to do a, a documentary about her. Uh, has uh, recently admitted that she quit the project because of the diva-like behavior Lizzo had, like a very egomaniacal control freak, and the director just wasn't having it. So, you know, she left the project. Somebody else did it. Now, now you're getting this lawsuit alleging sexual harassment and all sorts of stuff from three former backup dancers of Lizzo. All right. Now, now keep in mind, it, there are three dancers. It's one lawsuit. It's so technically, it's kind of like three different allegations rolled into one. Um, I, and I'm not sure how true all this is because it's going into court. And you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But what they are alleging, uh, an incident of sexual harassment when uh, Lizzo made one of the dancers touch a stripper when they were at a, a strip club in the Netherlands. <laughs> Uh, other allegations include a 12-hour audition from hell for a lot of dancers. Uh, her dance captain, Sherlene Quigley, uh, let's see. No, this the, the allegations are against Lizzo, her dance captain, Sherlene Quigley, and uh, the production company, Big Girl Touring. Assault, racial and religious harassment, fat shaming, fat shaming, Disability discrimination and false imprisonment. This almost sounds like uh, borderline Ezra Miller behavior here, but I guess uh, one of the dancers who actually hails from my hometown of Indianapolis, she is saying that Lizzo gave her shit for putting on a few pounds. Lizzo is fat shaming. I thought every size was beautiful, right? Not so if you're her backup dancer. I guess it's uh, more potato chips for me and not for thee. So it'll be very interesting to see how this shakes out. But it, it's, uh, again, I, I've said this before. I was saying this about uh, these fans that just throw themselves at Doja Cat. And Doja Cat, I mean, you can't burn bridges with all your fat fans. But when she was quick to uh, criticize these fan pages for obsessing about her instead of, like, you know, actually having a life, 
you know, if you're a fan of Lizzo's music, it's one thing, but if you got to know the actual Lizzo, you'd probably be disappointed. Uh, you know, I've, uh, going back to my bear days, Matt Toluto, the gas man, big fan of Eddie Van Halen, and he has met all sorts of rock stars. He met the guy, the guys from ACDC, he met the guys from Metallica, um, he's never, he never met the late, great Eddie Van Halen, and he loved Eddie Van Halen. And I, and I asked him this years back, and this was before Eddie died, and he kind of, would you meet him? And he just kind of grimaced a little bit, and he goes, I don't know, I've heard some things about him behind the scenes, and he goes, just you, don't meet your heroes, you're going to be disappointed. And, you know, I've named a couple of incidents with lawsuits, and just pop stars talking on social media, that kind of proves him right. Yeah, you, you kind of have to step back and take the art as it is, appreciate the artist, and uh, stay the hell away from them uh, in other matters. <laughs> That's basically it. Okay, so Barbenheimer is kicking everybody's ass. Barbie, uh, she's going to make a billion dollars, uh, despite being banned in the Middle East because Warner Brothers will not censor it. And look, I'm not really very excited to go see Barbie, and I'm sure there's some things that make me roll my eyes. But good on them for not censoring for the Middle East, okay? Art is art. That's all I'm going to say. Oppenheimer's doing very well. Great movie. I hope it gets some Oscar buzz for sure. But Barbenheimer may have a competitor later on this year. And I will link this up eventually on the Mike Davidson uh, Facebook page. Later on this year, on the same theatrical release date, Saw Patrol. Saw 10, they've made 10 of these damn things now. Saw 10 will drop on the same day as Paw Patrol. And I guess there's a contingent of people on the internet that want to make it a thing to go see both Saw and Paw Patrol. Much like there have been some people that on the same day uh, that took in Barbie and Oppenheimer. That's five hours worth of films, not counting uh, the previews going to see Saw 10 and the latest Paw Patrol movie if you do this you're depraved all I'm going to ask is A don't take your if you're going to do this uh, for the sake of being ironic because that's that's the only reason why you would do this if you're going to do this A don't take your freaking kids to go see Saw 10 have some damn common sense and B, if you're going to go into Paw Patrol afterward, make sure you, you're dressed like a normal person. Don't I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not like Rocky Horror Picture Show with the Saw movies, but don't go in dressed like uh, you fell down at Hot hot Topic, okay? That's, that's all I'm saying. Have some discretion about it, and then uh, act all ironic and cool on the Internet like everybody else does, including me. Okay, I said I'd talk, I'd talk about this last podcast. Got a couple of football stories because it's August, and it uh, you got high school football starting up here soon. It's uh, preseason for the NFL. Preseason is the longest, and then you got college football starting up Labor Day weekend, and um, we got the, some fallout with uh, Jim Ursay and his running back Jonathan Taylor. Basically, running backs across the league are frustrated by low pay. They should be paid more, and. Um, uh, you know, on the one hand, yeah, running backs have short shelf lives in the NFL because it's a hard position. You're running 
around the line, through the line, jumping around guys. You get beat up a hell of a lot uh, more than you do if you're a quarterback. Or even if you're a wide receiver, you can break away from coverage if you're a wide receiver. You're always finding trouble when you're a running back. So uh, a lot of guys retire early. So, yeah, I can understand a little more compensation, but uh, let's face it, the heart and soul of any offense is the quarterback. That is the most important position in modern football today. I mean, ever since the forward pass was invented, the quarterback has been the main issue. That has been the main issue for the Colts. But now, you know, Jim say being the loudmouth he is on social media, uh, was talking about how some of these running backs should be more grateful and Jonathan Taylor, his running back, somehow took this personally. And uh, there was rumors that he wasn't going to show up to training camp. He shows up. He's wearing a T-shirt saying, Welcome to Taylor Town," which is a shitty T-shirt, by the way. And I, and I say this because, you know, I really like Jonathan Taylor up until now. More on that here in a few seconds. Um, but then it, it just got to a point where Jonathan Taylor's re- requested a trade. And uh, Ursay said no, and now he wants to be put on the uh, on a list that would have him unable to play, I think, for this season. And then Ursay went to Twitter again and said, okay, look, Taylor, I could die tomorrow, and Taylor could be out of the league, but the league will still continue. And Ursay's right. The league will still continue uh, with both scenarios, but what Ursay needs to do is step away from social media. Quit trying to sound right. Believe me, I've had some experience in that recently. Quit trying to sound right and try to work things out behind the scenes. And if you can't, you can't. Jonathan Taylor, on the other hand, should just play out the remainder of his contract. And then, you know, if uh, he feels like the Colts aren't a good fit, he should go elsewhere. But this is just a lot of drama for a team that has been dealing with a lot of drama lately. And I said this before, I'll say it again. If they were more interested in building a contender as soon as... Andrew Luck retired, if they actually went out of their way to go find a quarterback in the collegiate ranks, you know, and this is about, what, five, six years later? Yeah. This would be, this would be water under the bridge. This would be, this this tweet would be forgotten by Saturday of last weekend. Why? Because, eh, winning changes things. Maybe Jonathan Taylor would be more apt to stick around for at least one more year. But that's not the case now, is it? No, it's a big mess. And as a football fan, and as a fan of the Indianapolis Colts, it's just kind of frustrating. Uh, Almost as frustrating as uh, both uh, college and pro football having to deal with the fallout of, oh, hey, we're taking money from betting apps now. It's cool to take money from DraftKings and BetMGM and uh, FanDuel and all the like because we're going to punish every player that gambles but we're going to take money from these sites that allow them to gamble even when they're not allowed to gamble and uh, now you got a quarterback for Iowa State that's being charged by the state of Iowa uh, I guess during his sophomore year of making some bets uh, on games that he was a part of now he was on the bench during those games he couldn't really influence the outcome of these games but they're looking into it and if that's the case he could be banned from the NCAA for life but, okay, so that, that that rule is in place, right? You ban the guy for life. Well, again, what if you have a big-time Heisman-like candidate getting involved, getting caught in this sort of thing? How would the NCAA react? 
you know, when there's money involved and they can make more money off this player playing than they can if this player was punished, they will. That is the conundrum. These rules have worked great so far, both in the NCAA and in the NFL, because, well, lesser players have been caught doing this stuff. It takes one big name to get caught making these bets. And if they're making bets in games that they're actively playing in, things are going to hit the fan. This is only the beginning. You keep watching for this. And the only reason I say this is because I know human nature. If somebody thinks they can't lose, they will test those boundaries to no end. They cannot help themselves. Okay. Uh, stupidity can't help itself. Uh, good news, bad news on uh, lawsuits involving stupid people and food. I think it's down um, Florida. The mac and cheese lawsuit has been f uh, thrown out because uh, a person claimed that it took more than three and a half minutes to make macaroni and cheese with the microwave. Uh, this this is false advertising. Judge looked at that and goes, no, nah, no, get the hell out of here. It's done. No, you're out of here. Thank God. Um, and if you're too dumb to boil water, you, you shouldn't be getting a lawyer to begin with. You should be learning how to cook. You should learn to make food for yourself. Or you go to other restaurants and have them make food for you. But even then, if you're an idiot, that presents another lawsuit. In the state of New York, somebody is alleging, uh, suing Taco Bell, alleging that there's not enough meat and things like Mexican pizza and all this stuff. He's got all these uh, Taco Bell food items opened up. Pictures, Exhibit A, Exhibit B, Exhibit C. Uh, basically, he's suing Taco Bell for being Taco Bell. Like, this is the first time anybody has ever been disappointed in their fast food order. He's suing Taco Bell for this. I, the last time I went to Taco Bell, it wasn't long ago. It had to be four years back. I was actually on my way back from Fort Wayne, up to Fort Wayne. Uh, went down to Noblesville to check out Beck and Cage the Elephant. Great show. Uh, and I stopped off at a Taco Bell along I-69. Got a... Because I always thought that my memory as a 20-year-old, a lot of this food is a lot more uh, nostalgic than it is now. I got a chicken stuffed burrito and I got like a Mountain Dew and it cost me damn near eight bucks for both. And the burrito was a lot smaller than I recalled. I was disappointed, yes. It didn't taste great, but I consumed it and nobody was sued that day. I just went home. Experience is a great teacher. Hey, uh, kudos to these two Sikh gentlemen out in um, California. They, uh, they're they running, um, I, don't, I don't know when this was uh, filmed. Uh, it was filmed through security guard cameras. Um, but they worked at a 7-Eleven, and it proves that not everybody in that state has lost their damn mind. Well, this person that tried robbing them, obviously. Um, but they're running the 7-Eleven. They're doing what any good American, anybody would do, you know, work. And this gentleman comes in with a trash can and tries stealing all their tobacco products. And uh, I guess you can hear in the video, hey, man, just let him go. Let him go from some dumbass customer. Uh, the two gentlemen bum rush this guy trying to steal all, the, all their tobacco products and beat the living crap out of him. And all I can say about these employees is God bless you. 
and don't f with the 7-Eleven, man. It is great. They they're better at enforcing the laws in California than the city council of San Francisco or any politician for that matter in California. Too bad that this eventually will get the uh, the ire of somebody who will want to sue these gentlemen or see them criminally prosecuted. I hope that's not the case because God, I mean, if you are a business owner or if you work in any business, you're going to out in that state. You're probably seeing that more often than a lot of people know. So uh, my my hats off to those two. All right, um, new internet debate: Is the bear in China real or fake? Uh, there's a zoo out in China. Video of this. Um, I got it linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. This does not look real at all, but there is allegations that this bear, while standing in this video, is just a dude in a costume, and it doesn't look like a real bear as he's standing. Now, the zookeepers are saying... <laughs> the zookeepers are saying, no, no, it's it's hot as hell over here. It's like uh, summer, it's uh, 100 degrees. If it was a guy in a suit, he would roll over and die. Okay, that's a good point, but... I think there is one way to quell these rumors, to put these rumors to bed, to see whether this is real or fake. You have one of the zookeepers go into the cage and wrestle this bear. Let's see what happens. And if if the mask doesn't come off, then I guess it's not a bear. I mean, what could go wrong if you send a zookeeper into a bear cage to wrestle a bear? I ask you. Well, uh, finally tonight, finally, finally like, like this is a stupid newscast. Uh, yeah, there seems to be a lot of manatee sex going on in Florida as of late. Um, but uh, I guess this is in, uh, uh, I think this is Pinellas County. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. And if I'm mispronouncing it, it's because I'm damn tired. Uh, the Sheriff's Department out there is posted on their social media. Do not call 911 if you see these animals in mid-coitus, and it's basically two manatees going on it at it on uh, on the coast. <laughs> Just uh, letting the waves hit them as they hit each other. Oh, yeah. And that's when you, know, you got the breezy saxophone from Careless Whisper come in. I just hope it's better than that last manatee encounter I was talking about last podcast because uh, it involved brothers in death. Not very romantic. In fact, kind of gross. As if there's any such thing as non-gross manatee sex. Anyway, that all said and done, I'm done. Till next time. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlives.